The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, my name is Joni Siegel, and I am the host for this podcast. This is The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer and co-founder of the podcast. Today's episode is episode number 336. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and please give us a five-star rating, not because we're looking for admiration or wins or some sort of award, but because we want people to be able to find us. And when you give us a five-star rating and someone who is in the midst of addiction or has a loved one who is, when they Google addiction and help, they'll come up with our podcast, and that's what we want. Um, also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And the same way, please um, give us a thumbs up on our videos and um, ring the bell so that you get notified when we have a new video. Today, as with most of our recent podcasts, we have an interview. And the interview today is with a gentleman named Flint Anderson. Flint Anderson began drinking at age 13, and we'll find out more about how his battle with opioids came about. But in 2009, Flint founded Pain, Parents and Addicts in Need. And he was awarded the 2021 California Nonprofit of the Year. The nonprofit provides unique programs to communities, specializing in rehabilitation services and family support for those affected by substance abuse. There's a lot more to say about Flint Anderson, but let's have him tell us and we'll get even more information. So without further ado, let's meet Flint Anderson. Flint Anderson, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today on the podcast. Thank you. Good morning, Joni. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. So take us back to, get, tell us about you. Like, where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And how did your own history with drugs get started? Sure. You know, it, it actually started the day I was born. Um, I was born with an ailment that uh, threw me right back into the hospital. And from that point, I had a surgery a year from the time I was born till the time I was 13. Oh, my goodness. I had uh, four more in 1976, and I think I've almost lost count. I think I've had like 15 since then, and I'm probably going to have to have a couple more on the oh, on the same issue. I'm so sorry. That's just that's, oh. that's okay. I mean, it look it, it's for for a long time that was a lot of my blame, yeah. you know. Um, but what what in essence what happened was is my opioid receptors just got screwy from day one. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, it's not that I used, obviously I was a little kid, right. But, you know, I was on always some sort of opioid painkiller. Um, and then when I hit and I was born and raised in Fresno, I still Fresno, California, I still live here. And, um, and as it progressed, you know, I was, I was one of those guys, I, I call myself a man of many talents and a master of none. Hmm. It, it, it's, you know, I played sports in the music department. Uh, I was actually a voice major piano minor at Fresno State when I was in college. And, um, but I was also that, that the, the wild child, you know, uh, take, taking chances no, no matter what it was or where it was. Uh, I liked the danger piece of everything. And, um, and then I discovered other drugs. You know, I, I started drinking at 13. And, um, and absolutely, you know, kind of fell in love with that. Mm. 
that progressed, of course, into, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be 68. So this is the latter part of the 60s and early 70s, you know, where pot was was huge. Cocaine was was now on the scene. And of course, I went through my Pablo Escobar days as, as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> and some of the stories that go with that are, you know, uh, I, I do tell some of them, but well, that could be for another time. Um, Actually, what does that mean, your Pablo Escobar days? It sounds <laughs> funny, but I'm not sure I exactly get what you're saying there. Well, it was uh, what, what I what, what I mean by Pablo Escobar days is, uh, you know, I was selling cocaine, I was right. using cocaine, okay. I was, um, yeah, I, I was just nuts to, to to be honest with you. But 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 you know, it's interesting. All the while, again, um, I came from a very very normal background. Uh, there was, there was no, no abuse. There was, I mean, it was the perfect leave it to beaver, you know, Mm -hmm. family, uh, is what it was. Uh, but again, I was just that black sheep that just loved the the danger piece of everything. Hmm. And, um, and, and so then as it progressed into college, um, again, cocaine kind of went away in the, in the last couple years of college. Um, and then it came back about 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 two years after that but then were i had you, were you doing something else besides cocaine in college did you oh, switch oh, oh yeah oh, oh yeah okay again okay. drinking smoking pot okay. using cocaine taking pills if they if they were around i got it but you know we all have our drug of choice mm-hmm. we all have that one drug that is a warm blanket the one we fall in love with and opiates were it and so I had a knee surgery. I've had 35 surgeries all, all together in the course of my life. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And, and those were the days when doctors were just writing prescriptions like there was no tomorrow. Right. I had 13 different doctor's offices going at one time. Um, I, I, I would make friends with the doctors. I'd make friends with the nurses and the staff. I'd, br- I'd, I'd bring them dried fruit. I'd bring them pastries. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, I was the ultimate con artist, you know, in, in those days. So and did your parents have any idea or your family? You know, they, they, they had a little clue. Um, you know, again, parents that raised us in the fifties and sixties, you know, they just kind of didn't want to know a lot of stuff that, that we did. Um, and then of course, typical mom, you know, that couldn't, my son couldn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 not who he is. That's not who I raised. Uh, and it had nothing to do with my mom. You know, she did the best that she could. Uh, so it, it it and then as that progressed, um, I, I mean, it, 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 I had tw- it was about 23 years of of constantly using opioids hmm. and and now everything that goes along with that, you know, um, the lying, the cheating, the manipulation. Um, I, I, I got married to my my childhood sweetheart. Um, I'm still married to her to this day, which is just amazing because she's I, a saint. <laughs> you know, they call her Saint Kathy. They were there. They, you they, go. They, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I've got I've got two sons, uh, 42 and 36. You know, they had to live through all of this. Um, you know, I, I, I got to the point where I did, I had to wind up filing bankruptcy. I lost the only house, but I lost it in sobriety, um, because I couldn't play catch up anymore. Mm. 
And um, and this is just this next little piece is just kind of an example. So in 2007, I was clean and sober six years and we had to move to another home. And um, long and behold, my wife calls me. I, I believe it was a Tuesday morning, I think. <clears throat> and she said, I think our house is on fire. And I went, well, it either is or it isn't. You know, I better go look. And um, sure enough. I mean, this thing was totally engulfed in flames. There were six fire trucks there. It was arson. Um, old drug deal gone bad. I don't know. Somebody mm. that I irritated along the way. I, I have no idea. Nobody ever found out. Um, but really eye-opening, you know, to to my to my past. Um, so so things, and I guess my point with that is even in recovery. There are situations that we're going to have to deal with uh, and consequences from our past. And you never know when those consequences are going to hit. So it all depends on how you handle those consequences. You yep. know, yeah, pretty, it, it can, it can, you know, when it starts to get that close to home. It's a it, little it, bit of a wake up call. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. What made you stop, Flint? You know, one of the uh, the names for this podcast is the point of no return. And what we like to hear is, what was that point for you? At which point did you go, I have to stop. I can't do this anymore. You said you've been sober since 2001? Yes. So what changed? I mean, why did you all of a sudden decide you had to get clean and sober? Well, I'll tell you what. When, when And I've noticed this about a lot of long-term people that are in addiction I, I believe we all get to a point where we want to stop, but we don't know how. And now we have been living in this, in our own world for so long that, you know, A, we don't care if we live or die anymore. Um, and in fact, a lot of times, at least for me, you know, I, I prayed for it. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one hour consultation with Bobby. Um, it was, you know, Lord, just, just, just take me because I, I can't do this anymore. Mm. It was the constant uh, hunt for, for the drug. And, you know, and after a while doctors were, were, were not giving me the, the, the medications. I'd have friends go in and fake injuries and get it for me. I, I mean, it was really a three ring circus. And, um, and then in uh, 2000, actually, I, I had a heart attack and I had open heart surgery. I had a double bypass and um, that still didn't stop me. It, 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 it took me another year. My, my thinking was, oh, great. I, now I got another doctor, okay, that I'm going to be able to work at least for three or four months here. More right? scripts. I got more yeah. scripts. Yeah. More, more scripts. And I have a, a best friend who we've been best friends since we were 18 years old. Uh, I went into his office one day. I'd, I had been kicked out of my home by, by my wife. And I went by his office and I weighed about 140 pounds. 
I was losing teeth uh, because that's what opiates do as well because of the diet and the smoking and the amount of sugar that we put in our bodies. And he got up from behind his desk and he left for about 10 minutes and I'm just sitting there. And he comes back and he, he walks it back into his office and he says, listen, man, he, he says, your wife doesn't want you anymore. And I don't even know if I want you anymore. <laughs> he said, so here's the deal. He said, you're going to come to my house. I got you into Betty Ford. You're going to, this is now, this will be my fourth treatment center. Um, he said, but you can't get in for about seven days. So you're going to come live with me. And I simply sat there, Joni, and said, thank you. Mm. I, I, I there, there was nothing else to say, right? So I stayed with him. Um, of course, I still had to get my drugs for that week, you know, because lo and behold, I wasn't going to go into withdrawal before I went into treatment. Um, and so I got a pile of them from some doctors. And uh, the day that we left, I took 42 Vicodin from the minute we got on the plane till the time we landed in Palm Springs. And at, and at that point, I was taking anywhere between 70 and 80 Vicodin a day. Wow. And but 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 I, I want to kind of clear that a little bit because there's there's people out there they're going no there's no way you could have taken that many you would have died well yeah after long term opiate use they build up such a tolerance in your body that I took more on on certain days you know uh, and then of course try, trying to explain to people you know that seventy pills a day don't fall out of the sky um, you know it, it's it's a second job to get that many. And then of course, you know, the financial side of it, insurance isn't going to pay for all that. So I'm forging checks. I'm, I'm doing whatever to, you know, to get it. So we got, we get down to Betty Ford and uh, we, we walk in, he, you know, he wrote the check for 26,000 bucks. Cause at that point I just had nothing. I was, I was done. Um, and he looked at me and he said, listen, he said, uh, if you ever wind up in the hospital due to your drug addiction, I'll never, ever speak to you again. He said, do you get that? And I go, yeah, I think I do. And he goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see you in 30 days. And he gave me a hug and he turned around and he walked out. And that was the start of, of the journey of, of the recovery journey. Wow. Yeah. And you've been clean and sober ever since, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Long, you know, look, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the, when, when, when I tell that story and when other people in recovery tell that, that, that type of story, I think a lot of people forget to tell the people that it was, it was not easy. I mean, that, that first two to four years, I'll tell you what, I don't wish that on anybody because now you're learning how to live life all over again. And you, you have, don't have the drugs to help you. You don't. You don't have that escape route any right. any longer everything is sitting right in front of your face right. you know the, the 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 bill collectors are still there you, you know everybody is still there with their handout mm -hmm. and um and again you have two choices you you can either deal with it or not right you know right. recovery recovery to me is that simple you either do it or you don't because if you do it and pardon me half-assed all right you're you're not going to even come close to succeeding you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, 
go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Yep. We've heard that before. And I, and I, first of all, I applaud you for being clean and sober as long as you have, because I know not from personal experience of my own, but from doing over 300 episodes on this podcast and at least 250 of them are former addicts, it's not easy. And so I always, from my heart, say very well done you for doing it. Thank you. You're welcome. And you then, as a lot of former addicts do, you turned it around to give back to other people. Tell us about that. Tell us about your nonprofit and what you guys do and how you help other people. Sure. It's uh, the, the acronym is PAIN, and uh, it stands for Parents and Addicts in Need. But, it, but it's, this is kind of a cute little, little story. It was, it was first named Prescription Abusers in Need. And we soon had to change that because we were getting phone calls from, from people that were still using going, hey, man, uh, I'm in need. Uh, you guys got any scripts over there? I mean, seriously. <laughs> so, so we had to change it. We had to change it up. Um, yeah, I, I started it in 2009 with one, with one simple uh, reason. I, I wanted just to tell my story. And, uh, but, but before I kind of get into that, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you another story about my best friend. So, so, and he helped me start it. And, and so, uh, I got my first speaking engagement at, at a local church. And, um, the night before, uh, I still hadn't addressed the teeth issue. And, and so, uh, not the front tooth, but one off to the side just fell out. Mm. And, and so I go over to his house and of course I got my lip covered up and I'm going, Hey man, I got to speak to these people tomorrow night. Can you tell? He goes, no, no, it looks great. You're, you know, you, you, you look fine. And I got a hole in the middle of my mouth. So I go, I make, I make the speech and everything was great. Nobody said a word. And he calls me the next day and he goes, do you like your dentist? And I go, I don't know. I guess we're trying to piecemeal this thing together. And then it dawned on me. I go, no, you're not doing this. He goes, no, too late. He said, you got an appointment with my dentist on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. You're getting all new teeth. Goodbye. And he he hangs up the phone. (laughs) You know, and yeah. And so he paid for all the implants that I have today. But the, 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 the message to that is I he did it because I stayed clean and sober for those eight years. You know, yeah. he would have never done it if this if it was a roller coaster ride still, you know, yeah. so good things do happen when 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 you're in recovery. But so I, I started pain and, um, and and then all of a sudden, you know, there was nobody addressing the opioid crisis even back then because we had one. We were we were in the middle of one. And and, and again, with Oxycontin and Purdue and all, all that nonsense. And, and so, you know, I would speak at schools and churches and professional groups, and I'm born and raised here, so it, it's, it's not like I'm not known. Um, but I'll tell you what, if, if I ever had to start a nonprofit over again, I probably wouldn't do it. It's, it's, it, it's extremely difficult, and especially those first five years, and even to today, I mean, it, you know, it's still, well, it is what it is. So, um, and then... Um, all of a sudden, I had parents calling me and saying, "Can can you help us? Can you help my son? Can you help my daughter?" And um, and I said, "Yeah, I, th- I think so." And um, 
I, I made some arrangements with a cut with some with some treatment facilities that I liked. Um, and I did my research on them. And I met one lady in particular, her name's Thelma Wilson, and she had a recovery center in Northridge, California. And I fell in love with this lady. She's got, I think today, 35 years of, of sobriety. And um, I started taking kids from Fresno to Los Angeles and, and putting them in her, in her treatment center. Then I started a family support group that we still have to this day. We're having a meeting tonight on Wednesday night. Um, and wound up, we've seen over, maybe now it's close to 9,000 families Wow. Since since 2010, yeah, uh, we've sent over over well over 2,500 people to treatment in, in in that amount of time. But as I was working with Thelma, um, she was just amazing at what at, at what she did. It was just this little private 12 bed facility in in LA, and she just knows. I, I mean, we've again, we all know there's no cure for addiction. But but she had this this method, and we we were very successful sending sending people there. And then in in uh, just an off note on 2020, uh, I got her to move to Fresno. Like I said, I can talk anybody into anything. I got <laughs> I got, I got her to leave Los Angeles, and um, she moved up here. We started uh, our own treatment center, and uh, yeah, so now we're we're kind of neck deep in that as well. But. And, and then because of my connections around here, I started I started being that guy that was the hard ass uh, in treatment, and I still am. Um, I've got no problem in talking to politicians and doctors and everything else about this. And so now I work with, uh, with some assemblymen, Jim Patterson, one in particular. We try to get laws changed in Sacramento regarding, um, regarding uh, stricter um, jail sentences for, for drug dealers. Um, I'm, I, I'm a big promoter of Narcan, but I'm not of fentanyl test strips, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I work with law enforcement here locally. Um, and yeah. And, and so it's just kind of that, again, I, I, I hate talking about myself a little bit, but, but it's almost like I'm kind of that expert for our media and those kinds of things when it comes to anything drug related. And, and, and well, now I'm sorry you don't like talking about yourself, but that's why you're here. I know. I, <laughs> you have to talk, I, I, about, talk know. about yourself and what you're doing, Flint. <laughs> I, 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 I know. Um, and again, and, and, and as I get older, you know, what I've really found is that I've got other people now that will talk to high schools and the kids because I'm everybody's grandpa's age now. Yep. Um, but it, it's so important, I believe, for, for us to stay on top of Sacramento in particular. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we got us. We got the screwiest state assembly of, of any state in the country. I think not anyway. political podcast, but I'll just say I think you're probably correct on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yep. uh, but anyway, so so, and we distribute Narcan uh, freely to everybody in the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, we're one of the largest distributors of Narcan, and because uh, I do believe in that. But I'll tell you what, Joni. Several several years ago, I was not in favor of Narcan, mm. um, and this is all post or excuse me, pre fentanyl days. Yeah. Um, because I, I went to a, I went to a the national drug conference in Atlanta back in, I, I think it's like 14 or something. And there was a group of moms sitting there and there was a, it was a breakout session on should Narcan be sold to the general public or should it stay with first responders? Mm -hmm. And I, I looked at these ladies and I said, ladies, with all due respect. And I picked one mom out and I said, you know, how old's your son? 26. Do you feed him? Do you clothe him? Do you pay for his car? Do you pay for his insurance? Yes. 
Um, does he have a job? No. You know, the questions went on and on. And then I looked at her and I said, can I move in? <laughs> I, I, I said, you know, you're allowing him to, to, to use heroin in your house and you're paying for everything. Why would he ever want to get clean? You know, but today with, with fentanyl and the other and the stronger drugs that are now coming across the border, um, I, I'm a firm believer that that every everybody has should have Narcan and including not only in the schools, but but in every classroom, which which they're not doing, by the way. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How can people get it from you and how can people contact you? Give us your contact information, Flint, so we can include that and our listeners can get a hold of you if they need to. Sure. They they can always reach out to us by by going to painnonprofit.org. Okay. They can, they can reach me at flint flint at uh, painnonprofit.org. I give and out Flint, my- by the way, everybody is F L I N D T. Correct. That's been the bane of my existence, believe me. Sure. <laughs> um, we're on we're on Facebook. We're on, you know, we're we're on Instagram. I mean, we're 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 just about everywhere. So yeah, they can reach out to us anytime. That's awesome. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for being willing to share your story. I always thank you know, people who are in recovery, because I know that I ask them to talk about a time in their life when they're that they're not necessarily proud of, but I feel like every time, you know, someone in recovery tells their story, it resonates with somebody listening. It, it strikes a chord with someone who's listening and someone either gets clean and sober or they get their loved one into treatment and they get clean and sober. So I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you're doing and I appreciate you talking to us today. Thank you, Joni. It's been an absolute pleasure. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. Hope you enjoyed Flint's story. Once again, his website is called Pain. And um, it is painnonprofit.org. And it stands for Parents and Addicts in Need. We'll be back again next week. We'll have another interview. You all take care. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.